Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio, proudly sponsored by the BPA. Themselves, you know, like the boys here, very young age, all the way through school. Some quite competitions I've been in as well with Daily Mail mm-hmm. and that side of things. Played at university, and then for a club, I was about twenty-five. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was. I last retired about four years ago. I stopped playing, which got a bit too much with the injuries. But I've coached now for on and off about nine years. While in teaching the last sort of five years, I've coached uh, seniors at second 15 level, under 16 Bs, 14s for the seventh season. And now I've been very fortunate this year to take on what I think is one of the best year groups currently in the school um, in rugby, uh, which are the under 16s, who have been an absolute joy, absolute pleasure to coach across the last three months and have really come on, improved as boys, improved as players and got into the spirit of the sport quite a lot. Okay, well, yeah, Mr. Waters has preempted a lot of the questions. Oh, I was going sorry, to ask I apologise. No, but that, 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 crack on, crack that, on. That's all fantastic. So, just mm. in terms of a little bit of back, a little bit more colour on that backstory. Yeah, your coaching career has spanned two schools. Am I right? Two schools. Started coaching at Blundells yeah. um, about four or five years ago. Now I'd say I coached a little bit at university yeah. afterwards, uh, a long time ago now as well. But yeah, then RFU Level Two Coaching Awards, a few more RFU Coaching Award um, qualifications particularly focused on forwards work, I would say. That's my sort of forte, my expertise. Yep. Um, did some work on the... So I had a 14-7 squad. It did quite well up until Rosslyn Park. I can't remember who got knocked out by. It was right at the end of the first day, which is a bit of a shame. Mm-hmm. But they were a great team. And since being at Bryanson, I've coached mostly seniors, but this year I was transferred onto the 16s to give them a bit of a, a bit of an edge and a bit of a push, was the idea, with my... Uh, well, fantastic co-coach and Mr Pope. Nice one. And... and, yeah. and th- how did you how did you feel because as you said you've done most of your coaching here at Bryanston mm. with, with game one how did you feel what were your feelings about moving on to this 16 squad uh, I knew about the yoga a little bit and I knew what their game plan were was and what they tried to do previously and it seemed to me as though they needed a bit more development in the attack I think in defense and it's what's been proven across the entire year I have never once been worried when they have been on our try line and the five metres being attacked in any way, the defence of this team is, is impeccable. However, I think what we've tried to work on, and as I, I identified at the start of the season that we've developed, is they need more attacking options. I think they had uh, inspiration from the mid-90s with uh, the All Blacks, whose game plan was give the ball to Jonah. And the fifth, when they were, these boys were 15s and 14s, I would say that their game plan was very much give the ball to Lamar, which I believe proved rather successful. However, once we get to 16s and seniors... Physically, other boys catch up quite well, and everyone had to up their game. So it wasn't a question of getting the ball out wide. It was thinking, what other attacking options do we have? Either with George some well-placed kicks, trying to, you know, as an extra strategy, trying to push the go forward, or indeed using the forwards, who I do think are and they have been an incredible pack all season. And once they actually, you know, get a little bit of a shout out and some volume coming across the pitch, telling them what to do, they can get a shift on pick and go like nobody's business. They're fantastic. That is great here. Let's bring in uh, two players from that team. So, well, listeners, you'll know that Hugh is a is a key cog in the this under sixteens uh, wheel. But George also um, uh, has been a key player since since joining Bryson. Boys, um, and let's. I'm going to start with Hugh on this one. Um, how has this squad developed over the two two and a bit years you've been at Bryanston moving into this season? Well, yeah, we started off, our first season was obviously affected by COVID, which meant we had a year off contact. So last year, everyone was get it, getting back to playing full rugby. And then this year, it's been, we've all developed our skills massively. Last year was really getting 
we're starting to play rugby at a much higher level uh, after prep school and now now we're starting to look like more of a proper rugby team. Mm. And George, so your position, correct me if I'm wrong, is sort of 10 or 15 or basically yeah. playmaking back anywhere like that. Yeah. Um, do you, what do you think of Mr. Walsh's assessment there that sort of you've always had the kind of raw materials to be a good team and as you've gone through your time at school and moving into this season, things are starting to come together? Yeah, definitely. I think we've really, really looked at positions, especially with a couple of players who played last season being forwards and bringing them into the back line mm-hmm. to really sort of secure our team all round, mm-hmm. whether it be through running it hard or playing it round them. Yeah, and it has become a lot more of a an easier task when when playing a much tougher opposition, which is shown with the six wins this season. Yeah, that's fantastic, and I should should highlight that you know the 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 numbers on paper read very well. It's played eight, uh, won six, lost two. Highlights being wins against Claysmore, PGS, and most recently Lord Wandsworth. Uh, before we come before we come on to uh, that game this weekend, I do want to mention that Camford game. Um, there, were there any takeaways from that, boys, in terms of growing the team from that? I think, as Mr. Waters would say, the main message is listen to Mr. Waters. <laughs> um, he's now going to elaborate on this point. I will, I will now elaborate on this point. So, what we've got to think about look, I think it doesn't take a genius to work out what side of what side of rugby I love to play. However, I think what's most important is that we adapt to conditions, we adapt to a team. So, my coaching adapts to the team that's in front of me and what their skill set is. I looked at this team and thought, we have some absolute units in the forwards. If we play pick-and-go rugby, it'll work really well. Now, on a, on a wide pitch, on a dry day, with no, you know, with either with, you know, wind on one direction or no wind at all, we can play that expansive game. Canford was wet, it was muddy, it was a horrid, horrid day to be out there. So for me, ideal playing conditions for what I call tractable. We pick-and-go, we truck-and-trail, we take that ball up the pitch, keep it tight. We can't do big, long, wide passes. So I'm going to borrow from Michael Kane, the Italian job. This is a team effort. You do, as I say. Hugh's going to tell me off now, but I told them what to do on Thursday. I told them what to do before the match. I reminded them at half-time, only in the last play did they switch on to what was needed, was pick and go, and that's when we scored that try. We kept trying to get the ball out wide too much. And what that is, it's, you know, rugby, it's not just about winning, or winning the game. It's about becoming better and thinking, you know what, you know, in life... Things change, things get difficult. How are we going to adapt? How are we going to solve this problem? That's what rugby is. It's problem solving. It's how do we get that go forward? How do we score tries? And sometimes what is tried and tested isn't going to work. We have to do something differently. And that's what I would say there for the Canford game. Is You can't say, listen to me, but it's more so we have to adapt. Well, on that, it looks like the boys adapted really well this weekend. Uh, let's get George and Hugh back in. Uh, so, um, boys, uh, Lord Wandsworth College, I mean, very valid points there by Mr Waters in terms of, you know, you've got to play what's in front of you, you've got to adapt to conditions. What went right about how you set yourselves up last weekend? Oh, uh, well, our, uh, our attack just clicked. Our defence, did, did we concede a try? No. No, no we, no, we no, didn't no. concede our try. That was... Yeah, another extremely good defensive performance. We've been camped on our lot on our own line, defending so much this season. And every time we've come through, and then when we had the ball in an attack, we just looked lethal. All our carriers were smashing people off. We made some really big breaks. Lamar, Jack Owen, they were 
storming down the wing every time they got the ball. That's great to hear. And and had Mr. Waters told you, Hugh, that you were allowed to pass the ball or did you have to just pop it to a forward <laughs> on Saturday? No, we, we were definitely looking to go out wide. We're looking to hit George getting, after getting some quick ball through our forward who were all on fire, going going out back the back through George. Who yeah, back three worked well. It was a big wide pitch. It was a dry day. Absolutely yeah. fine. Lamar, I believe, ran almost the length of the pitch. I think about two yards short. Twice he did that. You know, he when he's got open space, when he can get through, he is absolutely rapid and a fantastic player. But it's just creating those opportunities. So it's a different style of game. But I think, as Hugh says, we were on our line for a lot in that defence. But a huge shout to Josh, who was man of the match. Indeed, he was coach's player of the season, mm-hmm. as awarded at our um, awards P- last night. Playing he, in the back row, was he? Playing in the back row. He ripped the ball, he jackaled, he defended. He has made sure that we got that possession whenever we needed it. So, I don't know, Josh, Josh, Josh is... Uh, I don't know, man of the season, I would say there. Fantastic. Um, mm-hmm. Let's talk about some other players in this team. So uh, Mr. Waters has mentioned this pack that has seemingly come to the fore this season. Give me some commentary, boys, on your mate, some of these some of these players, people like Ed, S, Bailey, C. What do these people bring to the team, George? Yeah, we have we have a very, very strong pack, which, isn't, which wouldn't be expected from when you look at us. Mm. But we have players like Bailey who, who may not, get all the points and do that but they do the hard stuff well yeah. and you may not notice them but they're there every 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 game winning the ball even just securing a ball to then go on and score you don't get points for securing a ball but you do get points for putting the ball down so yeah at the end of the day they're the players that are uh, winning us the games most and, definitely and I imagine I imagine a sort of halfback combination it makes life a lot easier for you guys to have a decent pack in front of you with good front football um, and you know protection from opposition forwards as well. Yeah, yeah. I'd say last year maybe we struggled a bit for that ball security, that forward presence, and this year having yeah. having go forward in the pack, having quicker ball, it's made it's even, made our backs work a lot better. Even at the start of the season, it was hit and miss, but especially this game, we've had just secure ball, and it means all our backs can really really set the pitch alight. Well, that's great to hear. And let's talk a little bit about about these backs. Uh, George, you mentioned you mentioned a couple of names there. Jack O and Lamar A. What do they bring to the team? Uh, they bring many different types of threats, whether it's a kick in behind or hitting Jack Hard. Yeah. But even hitting Jack Hard, he can step round someone. So it's really good to have yeah. many options. And whether it's uh, Lamar on a hard line, Ed on a hard line or Jack out back, or even Huxley, it just really yeah. changes the game when you have so many players who are so versatile. Yeah, and in terms of versatility, I mean, you've got a number of options. I know you have to shuffle around sort of 10, 12 and 15 quite a lot as well. You know, people like mm. Ted C, um, it must be good to have other options to play 10 as well. Yeah, definitely, because if a game's not going the right way, to, for example... Sorry, what, Tom C, Tom not C. Ted C. Ted C, I'm sure, is a very good rugby player as well, but Tom <laughs> C is the one on. Tom yeah. C is the one I was uh, Lots of value of. on the wing, got a conversion at the start of the season. Well, yeah, go. but Tom, yeah, Tom's definitely there. I saw a slightly confused face, but uh, yeah, Tom C is the one I'm thinking of, the, yeah. the, other, the other fly half. Mm-hmm. Um, and Eddie W, is he, what's he brought to the team this so season? So he, he sort of brings the, the 12, the Estes Hazen kind of hard line hitter, yeah. hitting people back type of role. Yeah. But um, no, as we were saying, the, the Warminster game was a great example of us being having to change the team around when it's nil-nil on mm. our line for an mm. entire half mm. and then changing it at half-time made the game completely swing and we were all over them in their 22 for the entire half and won, won that. Yeah, and it, it is great. You know, I think us coaches, we often look at this squad and think, 
without wishing to be too harsh on other ones, on paper, this squad does have, by our standards at the moment, a really nice, balanced, developed group mm. of players who can fill in in a lot of areas. Mm. And boys, that brings me on to my next question, sort of, which is, how are you guys going to adapt from being one unified team throughout the age groups to moving into game one next season where you're going to be in amongst two upper year groups and you might not necessarily all be in the first 15? Mm. Is that something that excites you? Uh, uh, what are the challenges that are going to have to be faced there? I think it's really helped this season with Mr Waters allowing players to play up because it's meant we can we know sort of who... We yeah. may be with more than others. Yeah. And the players who do go up know get to meet the team yeah. before the yeah. season starts. Especially for us to sort of and especially recently, towards the end of the season we've been doing a lot with the older years. Yeah. Getting to know them, even if it's just a touch match, you still you still get to meet people. Yeah. And play well. Yeah, Hugh, what about the prospect of moving up into senior rugby for you? Is that something that excites you? Yeah, I think it'd be a really good opportunity and even if not uh, the whole team's not getting into the first team for next year. It'll be a great chance for everyone's skills to develop to get more match time, so that I think we'll have a a really dangerous first fifteen when we're in the A two. Mr. Waters, comments? Yeah, it's something. I think the boys know this. They know that uh, Mr. Drake and I talk almost daily, every week, at least a DB for the match, DB for the training sessions, in terms of how things are going. And it's about under 16s is preparation for first team rugby. It's trying to get those boys ready. So quite a few boys, I believe. So we've had Ed, Bailey, Lamar, and Barney as well. I think we do have to shout out Barney. Um, mm, yeah, Barney's had a great had season. Great he accounts. once played for the twos. I think it was against Wells. And to quote from Mr. Bray, how did the 16s ever lose a match with Barney Malpass on the pitch? So there we are. Yeah. And um, yeah, it's about that sort of game development. I am very much looking forward to what these boys in the 16s have to offer in game one next year it's going to be a very very good season next year well I think Mr Drake also is is licking his lips because you know with this the A3 boys are you know have had a really good season many of them in the first team and the second team ready to step up um, and I think you know next year certainly uh, is going to be an exciting one um so, boys, just one more question, I guess, in terms of is this the end of your rugby seasons or do you play club rugby? Are you involved in the Bath setup? Are you hoping to play a key role in the sevens stuff in the spring? So I've got, well, I'm hoping to play sevens along with football in the, in the springtime. Yeah. But also uh, I've got Bath at the moment, so I've got a session tomorrow. Yeah. And an internal fixture in a week. Nice. And after Christmas, that looks at more fixtures against other sort of setups. So that'd be Bristol or Wasps or something like that. Yeah. You know, rugby's an all-round thing for me, really. That's all, all year-round thing for me, really. That's great to hear, George. Hugh? Yeah, I'll be playing seven, some sevens next term. I've got a club out of school and probably some rugby in the summertime as well. So as Mr Drake says, pre-season starts now. Fantastic, boys. Well, that's great to hear. That probably brings an end to our chat about the, what a really, really solid season for the under-16s and a really excited, talented group that I'm sure many Bryanston rugby fans are going to be keeping their eye on uh, uh, over the next couple of years. We're going to play a quick, well, our first festive song of the night uh, up next. And when we get back, we're going to have the first 15 talking us through their romping victory against uh, Lord Wandsworth College on the weekend. Back in a few minutes. Last Christmas, I gave you my heart. But the very next day, you Ooh, gave it away. This year, to save me from tears. 
And that was not the version of that song uh, that I expected to be played. What happened to Mariah? I think Bry Radio need to splash out a little bit more on their on their on their on their song budget, or it might just be um, a fault of my uh, use of the system. But there we go, uh, a, a bit of a, a sort of dodgy version of All I Want for Christmas there. Uh, right, let's get back to talking some sport. I've been joined now in the studio by uh, two. Uh, well, two actually now quite regular pundits on the show. Uh, we got Ollie and Paddy. Um, boys, welcome to the show again. Thank you, Mr. Pullen. Thank you very much. Um, and we're going to be talking, well, again, about First 15 Rugby because having had, you know, a toughish couple of weeks, you know, where, where you know, the, the losing in the cup, etc., a really fantastic way to close the main season on Saturday, right? Ollie, um had you did you have any idea in advance about what the kind of uh, proposition Bishop were um, Bishop Wordsworth what kind of proposition Lord Wandsworth College were going to be in advance? Uh, we knew they had a couple of good players. I mean, like every team, um, but we knew we kind of had an idea they weren't you know particularly too strong. So going into the first half, we were kind of like you know this is our game, last game. Let's put it all out on the field. Um, starts off a bit shaky, but then second half ran away with it. Yeah, and I mean, when you say you ran ran away with it, it was a proper a proper thrashing, really, a forty five forty five seven win. Who were the star performers, boys? Uh, Pat's had a good game. I did have a good game. I did um, have a good game. Great stuff. Pat. I thought Will Courage played well. Sorry, Will, Will, played, Will, well. Will played well. Yeah, and uh, Aaron played very well. Yeah, s- scoring a uh, scoring a try. Pretty much running the whole length of pitch. Oh, fantastic! Um, yeah, try the season, I'd say. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, and in terms of in terms of uh, uh, other key other key performance other key performance, what 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 in terms of the younger players in the team, perhaps was there anyone who really stood up? I thought. Um, well, first of all, Billy, I thought had a really good game, and he's been pretty consistent all season. Yeah. And um, 
as he's the youngest in the squad, we uh, pass down the Bryanson Bear mascot to him in the change rooms after the game, so he'll keep that for uh, for next year. But I thought, yeah, Billy had a really good game. But I mean, there's lots of talent coming up, I think, from the A3s. And yeah. also there are a few Bs as well, I think, that will, will make that team. Um, but, yeah, no, it's, the future's bright. Yeah. And, and, you know, I mean, I said we had, a, we had a slightly tough week. I mean, looking at the fixtures, you had a tough mm. run of... Well, I mean, going back to say the Ivy Bridge game, I mean that we all we knew that was a probably not our best performance on the day, right? Definitely not. Um, I mean, yeah, our two losses, Bishops and Ivy Bridge, we definitely knew we could have won. Yeah. Um, and they were they were nowhere near the hardest teams we played this season. Really? Yeah, definitely. So it was, it was just a shame. Who who would you say have been the toughest I'd toughest say, opposition? This I'd year? say definitely Dean Close, and yeah. I'd say that's definitely our standout game. Yeah. Yes, yeah. we beat Camford, but. Performance-wise, I, I really think Dean Close is the best, just the way everyone sort sort of played as a team because our structure worked, everything worked, the intensity was there, sort of everyone was up for the game. Yeah. But Ivy Bridge, I don't think everyone, anyone, well, any, anyone, everyone was up for it. I think they sort of dominated us physically. They were yeah. more prepared. Yeah. Well, more well drilled, I think, and that's probably why they sort of slipped away. Yeah. With that win. Yeah, and a good a good win against PGS in between as well. That was probably with a slightly weaker squad on your part. Was yeah, it? I think we had a few few boys missing for that game. I, I don't I don't play that game. Ollie, how did that go? I don't play either. <laughs> okay, <laughs> so it's a, sort of a, more of an A15 maybe. And then Bishop's Wordsworth, which looks like a close game, but they're they're quite strong at rugby right at the moment. They're they're doing okay, um, but again, they're nothing special. Yeah, um, definitely probably more of a Claysmore side. Um, yeah. and it, it was just disappointing to be honest with you yeah conditions were utterly foul <laughs> we got there and it was chucking it down <laughs> yeah. with rain so that def- that didn't help us yeah but boys I mean overall looking at the numbers played 13 won 11 points for 356 points against 149 I mean you've got to be happy with are we happy with this season oh yeah. totally yeah, yeah. definitely totally. especially being kind of you know our last season yeah Despite the two losses, we're over the moon with what what we came out with. Yeah, I mean, you look down there, there are some fantastic results. I mean, BT, obviously we've spoken about Camford, but also the win in the Cups against, uh, in the Cup, the Cup wins against Wellington uh, um, and Dean Close. Uh, nice wins against other local rivals like Claysmore. Um, uh, so, so boys, I mean, yeah, I think I think everyone knows it's been a fantastic season for the club. Uh, and what position do you think you guys are leaving the team in? Is have we got potential for the future? Hundred percent, hundred percent. I reckon there are as plenty of A three boys. I reckon will sort of carry on. I say legacy, carry on our sort of you know our performance that we had this year, and a couple of a uh, a couple of B boys as well. But I think. Every, all the A3 boys that played with us this season know the standards that we set as a first of Dean team yeah. and they will carry that on with carry that on to next season with the Bs. Yeah. But I think it's really important for you know the younger boys to sort of see how we run our team and how we sort of play our game and the structure we stick to. Yeah. And if those A3 boys can sort of you know teach that to the Bs, I think, yeah, they, they will have a good season next year. Yeah. I just want to bring in Mr. Morris here because he's only, I'm conscious he's in the studio and I haven't yet called on him. Mr. Morris, I mean, you've seen as both player, fan and coach um, many Bryanston first 15s. Where does this current crop stand in that in that kind of ranking? Um, I think within within the sort of the last, I don't know, five, six, seven years, it's got to be up there as one of the best first 15s you've had. Yeah. It would have been nice to see them tested against sort of like an old school fixture list um, yeah. that would have been a really good measure for these boys um, yeah. and I think 
like stand up. I think if you look at especially like some of the back line and some of the moves they pulled. Like I've watched the video footage from from Saturday. Like some of that skill has been mm. through the roof this season. And I think mm. they say it would have been really nice to see them tested with some more games like Dean Close. Yeah. Um, and like obviously that was a it was a real standout win for them. It showed the real potential this side has. Yeah. Um, and for me, I was really excited to see them go on into the seventh season. Yeah. Um, I think there's a real good core of players in there that can yeah. that could go a long way in competitions like Roslyn Park and West of England sevens and. I think they can have a really positive spring term as well. Yeah, I mean, you, you look at the fixture list. I mean, there's some great games in here. I guess it's just what you're referring to, Miss Morris, is perhaps like, you know, the early season thrashings of Griffin and downside perhaps might, you know, in hindsight, might not have been that helpful in terms of telling us where this group of players might might could go, basically. Yeah, absolutely. I think yeah. games like Ivy Bridge probably don't happen with with some tougher tests in there. I think they yeah. maybe know, know their game a little bit more yeah. by the time they get those later rounds of the cup and yeah. those sort of shocks don't happen when they're tested every week and they don't sort of have the, the peaks and the troughs like the Camford game to Ivy Bridge. So if you're playing against Camford style teams each week, then, you, then you're then you on a more consistent path throughout the season. Okay, yeah, that's I mean that, yeah, uh, that's very true. Um, Ollie, I mean, as you walked off the pitch on Saturday, because obviously, you know, we've got the seven seasons still to come, so this is not the end, but... How, 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 you know, was there a tinge of emotion about it being the end of your sort of fifteen aside at least Bryanston uh, rugby journey, uh, or am I overplaying it there? No, I think definitely. I must admit there were yeah. were more, more than enough tears. Oh really? Uh, uh, big time. Yeah, oh yeah, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I have hit on something there. But no, it's just <laughs> so most, most most of the boys have um, yeah. definitely a bunch of us have been there since D. Yeah. So it's been like five years, kind of yeah. in the making up to first team. Yeah. So we're def- definitely going to miss it. Yeah, and I mean, but there is still I mean, the rugby is uh, a winter and spring term. It, uh, although the block, the block season is over. Have I heard whisper there might even be the odd fifteen aside game next term, or is that sort of more development developmental um, for next year? Maybe we we don't know as players. Okay, right. Um, well, maybe I don't want to give any away fixtures. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we don't know. Yeah. Okay. Um, and, and Paddy, for you, how did it feel in terms of walking off that pitch? I mean, for the for the last what four year four yeah four and a bit years I've been at Bryanston. My sole sort of goal was to play first team level rugby um, here at school, and reaching that sort of goal for me was such a big thing. And the emotions were so high on that last game. And I, Ollie and I were one of two of quite a few lads that were sort of quite high mm. emotions on that day. Mm. Um, but yeah, no, it, it was a really sort of momentous day for all of us, especially our, our say two boys. Yeah. And the boys have been here for so long. Yeah. Um, to play that last game. I mean, I when as I ran on the pitch, I picked up a bit of first fifteen grass, put it in my sock. This is the last time I'm ever going to play on this pitch, and I put it in my room. Yeah, that's a great story. Um, <laughs> uh, and and in terms of well, I mean, in terms of thinking about that Bryanston journey, how how much do you think Bryanston has done for you as rugby players, and 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 how much of an impact have the coaches here had on you as players? Uh, I think massive, yeah. massive, um, kind of made a massive print on on kind of our development and lives. Because so, for example, I started off, you know, cricket was my main sport. Yeah. Um, debuted first team in D, so that was kind of my main main kind of sport. What I wanted to do, and then round about fifteens, sixteens, um, Scott came up to me and was like, you know, you could be quite good at rugby. Yeah. You know, you got the height. Yeah. Um, so then went for bath trials got in and so on and so forth so the past kind of three years have been amazing through Bryanston just getting me with those links and the development wise I think co- coaching wise I can't fault it at all like 
uh, the the standard of coaching here and for everyone involved in Bryanston Rugby is like second to none because yeah. there are so many boys that you can spot in the first year that have so much potential and the quality of coaching is 100% from the from the first year and the the build up and the sort of the 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 progress and everything will build up to that first 15 level and the way that the coaches do it here is is just amazing and I can't fault it at all yeah, I mean, that's great to hear. And I mean, you know, this year they've you've had coaching from such a wide array of people. I mean, you got, you know, Mr. You got Mr. Hobson, you got Mr. Drake, Mr. Elric. So, as you said, a really uh, wide range of expertise. Boys, I mean, in terms of in terms of rugby, I'm presuming from what I'm hearing, and I kind of know this, that this, you know, this your Bryanston career is not going to be the end of your rugby careers, right? Bonnie, you've got big I, I hope not. Yeah, yeah, I hope not. Yeah, um, yeah no, definitely... Um, for me, playing Wales, yeah, uh, uni, yeah. and hopefully internationally this this Easter. That's very exciting. Um, but yeah, definitely in the future. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I had uh, Southwest England trials on Sunday with a couple of six other boys from the first fifteen. Um, so definitely, it will not stop there. If I can, obviously, hopefully get into that. Play some county. I play county rugby as well, and a bit of uni rugby at Brooks if I get in, which yeah. would be great. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it definitely doesn't stop here. I mean, university rugby is, is it's a different sort of challenge because, you know, you've been brought up with this really tight knit group of mates um, uh, and suddenly you're sort of thrown in. You have to sort yeah. of redo it almost and make, you know, there's a different there's, there are different sort of pressures that come from that. But I'm sure you'll be absolutely fine. OK, boys. Well, I think that probably brings an end to, you know, this section on what's been a really great first 15 season. I just want to reiterate, you know, those statistics. Played 13, won 11. On certain days, you can only beat who's put in front of you. And these boys have done a great job of that. You know, some tough fixtures in there, back-to-back fixtures. Uh, and in terms of, like, the main season, I mean, really in terms of box stuff, Bishop's Wordsworth is the only defeat. So it's really... Uh, there's very little to criticise there and it's great to hear you boys speaking so positively about um, uh, about rugby. Right, that pretty concludes our Bryanson Sports section. Um, we are now going to be moving into talking about the wider world of sport and there are some, fan- well, there's some very obvious things to be talking about uh, and we're going to start talking some football after this quick song which I'm hoping uh, many listeners will enjoy and will enjoy the notion Uh, of it as well back in a few minutes cheers doc
an absolute shocker there because I've played a song before of course forgetting that you know we've spoken all about one uh, core uh, winter sport but um, haven't spoken about hockey um, but my pundits are here and I mean there is a decent segue in there that there was you know we we are into the last well we were into the last 16 uh, of the football world cup and we were also into the last 16 of the national plate uh, hockey competition Am I right, girls? Help me yeah, out on this one. You're right. Um, and and that was sort of the culmination of a really fantastic run, which I see uh, involved you guys beating Taunton School five one in round three, um, before coming up against a tough King School uh, Worcester. Which and I mean, this just sounds like an unbelievably thrilling game. I mean, it's down on socks as lost two two, but then then the footnote of three four on penalties. Um, tell me a bit about that, girls. What, what do we remember from that game? This was this was last week. Well, um, we were down 2-0 at half-time, and I think a lot of us thought that was kind of it. But um, as Mr Morris says, you know, we're always, we're a second-half team, so we always somehow managed to scrape our way back. Um, so no, then it was 2-all for the rest of the game, and it, was it went really, to penalties. Yeah. It, was, it was a tough loss. But I mean, I, I think we did deserve to win. You didn't deserve. No, to we win. did. You did deserve <laughs> to win. Yeah. Because they just won. Well, we are no. we're a second half kind of team. Yeah. We always play so much better in the second yeah. half. Yeah. We dominated that second half. Yeah. And, and, and 
And if it was Mr. Morris off the pitch who was kind of leading that, well, encouraging you to get into that comeback, who on the pitch really stepped up in the second half on the Astro, I should say? Um, Not I think everyone Everyone, did. just the I whole think everyone It's, it's really weird. So we badly. all have this weird thing that as soon as one person kind of shows any yeah. kind of like burst, everyone yeah. does. But I think, who got the goals? Was it? Delilah and Hero. Delilah and Hero. I think as soon as we got the first goal, kind of gave a little bit of hope. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, and you know, I mean, Rom, you've just told me that actually you're still in another cup, so that that's not it's not the be-all and end-all, right? No, it's not the be-all and end-all, and we're playing the same school again. So Kings Worcester again. Kings Worcester yeah. again on their pitch again. Okay. So it's going to be round two. Interesting. It's okay. going to be very interesting. Right here, they don't have the same wrath. <laughs> Okay, so well, no, we're allowed to talk about we're allowed to talk about officials' decision making on this show. Go, go, tell me a little bit more about that. Was there they a bit were of controversy? Ridiculous. <laughs> really? They were absolutely ridiculous. He just did not, as in someone would do an interesting, questionable tackle, quite far away from the D, and he would decide to give them a short corner. Okay. And what else did he do? Oh, he liked to stop the game just to have a chat. He he was treating it down. like it was some kind of. Olympic game. I mean, he pulled people over for chats mid-game. Okay. Just he, was, he was a questionable a man. friendly competition. Okay, I'm going to bring Mr. Morris in on this one. Mr. Morris, do you think in school sport, referees are entitled to sort of slightly up it perhaps in cup fixtures in terms of going absolutely by the letter of things? And, you know, I mean, the quote there treat it like an, like an Olympic sport is uh, is a referee to an extent entitled to be a little bit more pernickety about rules and stuff on a, in a cup game I mean slightly but I think you've also got to respect the fact that it is still children's sport yeah. um, and that it is not like the girls said the be on the end all and you're trying to still promote like, as good a game as possible and a, a free flowing game especially in hockey when it can be such a stop start sport when the umpires get too involved yeah. I think you've got to try and keep it flowing and Sort of realise you, you are not centre attention, um, yeah. and just let the let the girls get on with their game. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. Have you managed to watch these girls play much this season? I unfortunately haven't haven't been involved yes. with rugby, so I haven't yet had a chance. Yeah, to see them natu- play. naturally, because you're you're a big hockey fan, hockey fan yourself, I know. Um, so, girls, then obviously we go to well, well, we have a, t- a draw against Claysmore um, la- uh, last Thursday. That was another questionable match. Another yeah. questionable match. Go on. Very questionable. Umpire. Well, we actually no, requested not to happen. First of all, the well. weather was very questionable. You couldn't see the other end of the pitch. Oh, yeah, the it was fog. So the foggy. Freezing it was fog. a foggy yeah, day. Yeah, yeah. Um, they actually tried to stop our game yeah. three quarters of the way through because yeah. it was so foggy. Um, got a lot of injuries in that match. There were a lot of injuries in that mm-hmm. match. Mm-hmm. You, but, even you got struck down. Yeah, that was strange. Um, <laughs> but, no, it was... I mean, I'm happy because last time we lost 2-0, I think. It was yeah. 2-0, yeah. 2-0, yeah. yeah. That they were our first. They were our first friend, match, which yeah. we lost. Yeah, and then we brought it back, and I don't think they were very happy about it. No, which gave me quite a lot of satisfaction. Who, do you remember who scored the 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 drawing goal in that game? I actually S- don't. S- testing. Fran- oh, Fran- Francesca. Francesca. Yeah, yeah. Francesca. Yeah. Okay, great. So someone who someone who will be around next year, and then I guess let let's address it face on. Maybe a slightly regret well you know an unfortunate way to end the season I hear by all accounts you know you say you're a second half team but you had a fantastic first half against Camford I hear and then just maybe fatigue set in having played by the looks of things about 
you know, five games in in a week and a half, basically. Yeah, I think we were it was an incredible tired. first goal. Yeah, from Delilah. Yeah, okay. I, like I was, I don't, I didn't think it went in to start off with. It was such a good goal. And we got that within probably the first, the first five, yeah, ten minutes. I don't. I think it kind of shocked. I think Camford it really a bit. scared. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But we, Mr. Morris, had worked out that we played six games in the past ten days yeah. prior yeah. to that match. Yeah. Well, there you go. I mean, you, I can see it on here. It looks a ridiculous run of, we of matches. We were so tired. Yeah. Um, but I mean, I think we still put up a good fight. But I think it kind of, it almost got to the point where it was like, we've shown people what we can do. Yeah. It's an annoying loss. Yeah. But. I think we still got across yeah. that what we can do. Yeah, and uh, you know, I don't think they're expecting us to be as good as we were. Yeah, and 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 that and you know, <laughs> quite nice. and you know, defeat sometimes, you know, defeats de- defeats are are not a bad thing necessarily, and 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 they're and a very said, good side. Like they are a very good side. Yeah, you, you, and you show and you scared them for half and kept it with, kept in the game as long as you could. So looking back on the whole season, I mean, you know it. it it makes pretty good reading, and and it should be stated really um, that this fixture list is not easy at all. On this circuit that we play hockey on, there are some incredibly tough games. I mean, Kings Bruton are a fantastic, fantastic hockey school. Uh, Camford at the moment are very strong. Marlborough, Marlborough College are are unbelievably strong. The girls had a cup game. Uh, against Millfield as well, I believe. I might be wrong about that, but but you know. So so overall, uh, played fourteen, won five, drawn two, uh, lost seven. But well, no. I, but but Bells, I think overall, I mean, I think you, Do you guys. Know what? That's better than last season. We won two matches last season. Yeah, exactly. And that mm. and that and that is serious progression. That is serious progression. And I think. I also think just want to say that I don't think we got. There are at least three of those matches where we deserve to win. Yeah. Yeah. Like even, like even their coaches had come up to us and been like, "I don't know how you yeah. didn't win that." Yeah. I think that's why it was quite emotional. End of the season. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well, let's talk about that then, girls. I mean, in terms of how did it feel, fit, pl- sort of ending your Bryanston normal season hockey career? Was there was there any emotion or? Um, yeah, bells. Quite a lot of emotions. Oh, really? But we it got was, given at the start yeah. of the Canford match. Mr. Morris kind of, you know, had team talk. Yeah. He goes, oh, we've got a little something for the A2s. Yeah. Bell's already crying. Like, yeah. I don't even know how. It was, She's the whole crying. team had written, like, a little notes. we have been given. It was, oh, my God. What it was just it? Um, me over the edge. A letter, and, and then yeah. also from Mr. Morris and Miss Evans, and then one from oh. the whole team. Yeah. Bell's was literally on the floor. Like, you were actually <laughs> literally on the floor. I think all the A2s were crying minus me. And then you after... Held it together to held it together until as soon as the whistle went. Yeah. yeah. I think also there was a lot of frustration in the game. Yeah, the ge- yeah it's not... It's never easy to sort of go out on yeah. a tough loss like yeah. that. But, but I mean, surely surely once the sort of dust settled in it, you know, you can... I think this is a really good season. <laughs> I, I genuinely think that is a good season against some really difficult opposition. And as you said, a va- you know, real good progression from... From the year before, and, I think there's a lot of excitement in the next, and so much yeah. excitement about the, the the players coming through. There's as well. a lot of very good players coming through, and yeah. I think people need to be scared for us in the future. Excited, <laughs> yeah. And are you girls going to be carrying on playing hockey into the future? Personally, yeah. yeah. I don't know when, but yeah. But yeah, uni that's, hopefully. That's yeah. good. That's that. That's great to hear. And then I guess next term, so you'll get maybe you've got you're in some other cup as well. So yeah, maybe so we've the, got our other cups. 
so there will be a little bit more Bryson training as okay. well. I think we played yeah. that. Yeah. And we've also got the um, oh. Bryson Badgers versus Bryson Bears. Which is match. always a big, oh, it's, it's always a grudge. Which game, is isn't next it? year, which. Yeah. That, that, that is the, the rugby up. team versus the, the first rugby team versus the first hockey team playing hockey, which is normally quite an interesting watch. Um, but yeah. Um, and so, girls, what, what, what sports also do you do next term? Do you play netball or football or.? I think I'm going to dabble in some football next okay, term. Okay, that's exciting. Uh, yeah, me too. I mean, I did go netball last year, Buzz but is a netballer, I don't know huh? I'm not, and I will be playing football. <laughs> okay, well, that that's very interesting to hear. Women's football, you know, having had an incredible summer last year uh, uh, for the free lines, uh, is gathering pace. I myself am coaching women's football next term, which is a new thing for me. Very exciting. Not 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 the first first eleven. I hasten to add. Well, thank you very much, girls, and thank you for and thank you for um, being such loyal pundits for the show. We've really enjoyed hearing about. Um, uh, the Badgers I'm going to use that name given that you used it there the Badgers season um, and, and once again I, I want to hate to add that you know there's been some really positive results here um, and Bryanston girls hockey is in a really good place thank you Bells thank you Rom for thank joining thank us thank you well done we're going to swing the mics back round to Mr Morris and uh, and Paddy um, and we're going to get Ethan in here I think because we're now going to... Well, yeah, we're, we're not going to worry too much about a transition here because I slightly... And we're going to be talking football, uh, boys, because there's a hell of a lot uh, to, dry, to digest, um, really. Uh, well, let's start with the stop press stuff. I mean, uh, the final, uh, quarterfinal, uh, uh, was played tonight. Portugal have absolutely thumped Switzerland 6-1 uh, with goals from Goncalo Ramos. In fact, a hat-trick there. One for Pepe, one from Guerrero and one from Rafael Leal uh, in, in extra time. So a really good win there for the Portuguese. I mean, they're probably the, well, I mean, yeah, favourites to beat Switzerland, but not by that much. Boys, let's try and get some structure to this and let's go back to sort of the group stages. In terms of the group stages of this World Cup, because we haven't actually had a sports talk during during this this jamboree of football, who who have been who have, who who stood out as the best players in the group stages and the best teams? Would you guys say, Mr. Morris? Um, no, I think the the headline team at the moment are Brazil. Um, I think it's hard to look past Brazil as as favourites for this World Cup at the moment. I mean, their their performance last night was that first half against South Korea was some of the best football I think I've ever watched. Um, and yeah, it was just so free flowing and full of joy, and it was just awesome to see Neymar and Co playing like yeah. that. Um, it's hard to also to look past Lionel Messi in the group, yeah. uh, who seems to single handedly have the whole of Argentina on his back at the moment, yeah. um, and just pulling through. Quite frankly, a pretty average Argentina side yeah. through the group quite comfortably in the end. Um, and obviously, our home nation, England. Um, a very well managed group from Gareth Southgate, albeit maybe the a couple of games were slightly boring at times. But we look like we've unearthed an absolute gem in Jude Bellingham, mm. and it's great to see this young England core really, really shining on a on the world stage. Paddy, I was just going to talk about sort of like the 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 wild cards of getting through to the group, uh, the knockout stage. Go you're, on, talk to me about it. Your your Japan, yeah. your Australia, yeah. I think Switzerland and South Korea, and you might even say USA as well, uh, yeah. and, and Morocco. And Morocco. Morocco. I mean, yeah. you know, those are not big. 
you know, historically not big names mm. in the kind of football world. I, I think it's really good for sort of the world of football to see these sort of smaller nations in the in the World Cup sort of go through and knock out teams like Germany and yeah. Spain. I think it's just really good to just for the games. Adds a bit more excitement to the game when you're watching. Being like, oh, it's not just going to be a thrashing. You know, this team could actually sort of pull, pull it out of the bag here. Yeah, and you know, it felt like during that group stages, more even more than usual, there was considerable upsets. You know, Germany not getting through. Now, Spain having lost to Morocco. The world of, I mean, football truly is a global game, right? Then, and on every continent now, there are good. I mean, I think bar Australasia, pretty much every continent had someone in the in the in the last sixteen, right? Which tells you all you need to know about uh, about the global uh, nature um, of the game. Ethan, who for you? Well, welcome to the studio. First of all, our, our, one of our regular pundits, Ethan. <laughs> thankfully, not talking about Man United's plight for the tenth time tonight, but talking more about the the festival of football we're seeing at the moment. Um, who for you, Ethan, has really stood out um, in terms of singling out individual players in the World Cup so far? We're going to get on to talking about the course finals in a second and England's run. So over the group stage, Kylian Mbappe was fantastic. Yeah. He was incredible. Um, Lionel Messi, obviously. Yeah. Um, but someone that I think is going a bit under the radar is Bruno Fernandes. With two goals and two assists, he was, he was incredible as well. Yeah, yeah, um, he did have a fantastic game. I can't remember quite against who. Well, yeah, I remember. Yeah, it was, it was against Ghana, actually. <laughs> <laughs> Ghana, actually. Um, speaking of which, Mohamed Kudus was fantastic as well. Yeah. He had a phenomenal tournament, in my opinion. Um, Salasu played really well, actually. Yeah. 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 But we had quite a few um, big players come up and show up in the big stage. Yeah, fantastic. So, in terms of in terms of England's uh, run uh, to the last sixteen, Mr. Morris, do you want to talk us through some of that? What were the highlights? What you mentioned a tough, a couple of tough games in there. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? Yeah, I think uh, a highlight of the group stage for me would be Grealish's goal against Iran and the yeah. and the celebration, the meaning the meaning behind it. Yeah. Um, for Finley, the boys' cerebral palsy. Yeah. Um, that was an amazing celebration to see. Yeah. Um, I think we're just seeing. A lot of people doubted Gareth Southgate before this tournament, and mm. I think I did at points as well, whether he was set up with a four or a five. Mm. But he's showing at the moment he's a really adept tournament manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the draw with Wales, um, or, uh, draw with USA, USA sorry, yeah. um, was an extremely boring game. But <laughs> God, I remember. Yeah, I was it, watching it, it, it virtually right? sealed us the group and yep. got us uh, a, an easier way through into the quarterfinals of the game against Senegal. Um, yeah. And I think he's just showing how smart of a manager is. And this, I said before, this young core of. Like you know, Bellingham, Foden, Saka, all of that lot coming together now. It's, it's, it's a really exciting time to be an England fan. Yeah, and I mean, Paddy, uh, can I bring you in on this one? Yeah, I guess yeah. after that, you know, it's, it was typical, wasn't it? We had we, we went out and thrashed Iran, then had one performance that didn't look that good. The team suddenly, everyone suddenly against the team. How big a performance was it from them to come out and beat Wales so convincingly in that final group stage game? I think it was a really sort of... I say big win for yeah. all the England fans because I was going through Twitter mid-game of yeah. that uh, uh, USA game yeah. and Southgate was just getting slated and slated and slated yeah. saying how boring our football is and I was, yeah. I was thinking that Maguire and Stones had the most touches in the game yeah. just constantly playing it back and there was sort of no attacking sort of sort of go forward but yeah. when you look at it as Mr Morris said that is sort of what sealed us sort of getting out that group yeah. yes we've got to play boring football to get out the group but I'd rather get out the group than play nice football and not if you know what I mean 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And, and you know, I think two names you mentioned in there, Maguire and Stones, I mean, they do get a little bit of stick, but actually in that game they really had to step up, mm. right, and do a job for us when we weren't firing on all cylinders. I, mean, I, I think Maguire's been brilliant this yeah. World Cup. I think, he's, I think he's been really good. Because especially in that, I think it may have been that... Uh, USA game where they had so many chances and he was just all over the place. I thought he was quality. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, uh, Mr. Morris, moving into say these games in the round of sixteen, we've 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 wrapped it all up. So we've had uh, just to recap. Saturday we saw uh, Holland beat America three one. Um, Argentina beat a spirited Australia two one. Uh, then we then well we'll talk about the England game, but we saw France beat Poland relatively convincingly. Uh, uh, Croatia knocking out Japan on penalties, Brazil beating South Korea, um, and then today uh, Morocco, uh, uh, well, Morocco beating Spain on penalties, and Portugal thrashing uh, Switzerland. If I could just focus on a few of them, Argentina, um, are they a bit of a one-man team, do we think, at this stage? Um, I think currently they are. They have got some good players in their team, but they don't seem to be an effective unit at the moment. It does seem to be yeah. get the ball to Messi and hope which yeah. I mean is there's worse game plans to have um, yeah. and I, I think Argentina are very very reliant on Messi I mean if England don't win the World Cup I would love to see Messi win a World Cup yeah. Um, yeah. And I think that would cement him as, as the GOAT and I think there would be a great way to see his tournament go if England can't bring it home yeah uh, Ethan Holland ne- the Netherlands a team that have kind of gone under the radar a little bit I don't think anyone in advance was really considering this a golden generation of Dutch players or or anything but they've been they've relatively comfortably now got through to the quarterfinals what do you make of them yeah I wouldn't have said it was a golden generation but I did yeah. believe in them because they do have a good squad they have a decent squad yeah, yeah. but no, if you compare it with past Dutch squads I don't think specific players are necessarily world class but they do have quite a good yeah. group of players that I think are working together incredibly well yeah I mean, their defense, their defensive options, their centre back options are probably the best in the world. Arguably, yeah. they have um Devay from Inter Milan, um Delitz, Bayern yeah. Munich, yeah. got Virgil Van Dijk as yeah. well. Yeah, Incredible centre back options. Yeah, even um Timber doesn't even make it as a centre back mm-hmm. in that squad. Sometimes mm-hmm. he has to be deployed as a right back, and he's still um losing out to Denzel Dumfries, who's been incredible this tournament as well. Mm-hmm. We've really seen how good they are defensively as well as going forward because you have Gakpo who has the most goals and assists in Europe at the moment yeah. and has also been having a phenomenal tournament so you can see that um, they are a very well old machine going into this um, quarter final stage yeah, I mean, it's just interesting. I mean, if you just compare them, though, for, say, like a t- a squad like Belgium, for example, I mean, how about that golden generation? Mm. I mean, you talk about England's problems a decade or so ago with players not quite pulling together on an international stage. I mean, the amount of quality that Belgian squad have had, and they've never, well, they've, I mean, they've, in World Cup, certainly they've never quite been the fourth that we'd expect. Um, Paddy, uh, moving on to another team that have been, well, I think out of all of the teams, people have been most universally in agreement that this team, well, no, apart from Brazil, but France have had, we knew they had a strong world, uh, squad going into the World Cup and they've proven that, right? They have, but they have have had quite a lot of injuries. Am I right? Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean the standout player for me, for France, everyone says Mbappe, but I think for me it's Benzema. Yeah. I think the way he plays football is yeah. it's just second to none. I mean, yeah. in front of goal, yeah. nine times out of ten he's putting in the back of the net. Yeah. I think it's a massive knock for France to not have yeah. Benzema this tournament. I think yeah. if they did have Benzema and loads of the other injured players, 
think, is Larice injured as well? No, Larice is. Larice is fit. But I mean, I think the thing about, you know, if you, for them, you know, they lose Benzema, but they've brought in Olivier Giroud into their starting lineup. And Mr. Morris, I mean, you know, as a as a, as an Arsenal fan, you you know this, you'll know this guy well. He always seems to deliver on an international stage when he's called up by France. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, um, children growing up in a decade, fifteen years from now, when they watch Olivier Giroud's career highlights, are going to think, "Why is this guy not talked about in the same bracket as Lionel Messi?" Some of the goals that Olivier Giroud has scored for his career are yeah. like quite disgusting in terms of like quality mm. and. This tournament, obviously, he's recently taken over Thierry Henry as France's all-time leading goal scorer, 52 international goals. I mean, that's a and serious statistic. He's yeah. probably the most underrated footballer going. As, a, as an Arsenal fan, he was one of the most frustrating players ever to watch play for Arsenal. He cost us the league in the year that Leicester won it, went on an 18-game goaler streak. Mm. Um, but yeah, he is a fantastic footballer, very, very underrated. His link-up play is really, really, a really good technician. Um but yeah, he's it's a, it's a quality option for France to bring in when the likes of Benzema and Kunku are injured. Yeah, in terms of great players coming to the end of their careers, I guess one little word for Robert Lewandowski, who you know not not quite in the same caliber as Messi and and Ronaldo. Is that his final World Cup? Do we think from his World Cup exit? For I believe so. Probably, it, yeah. yeah. He's thirty two, thirty three. Yeah, probably yeah. realistically that. I mean, Poland are struggling for players now. It's kind of. Um, Either give it to Lewandowski and hope, or hope yeah. that Chesney pulls off some wonder saves at the other end to keep them in a the game. So I'd say it probably is Lewandowski's final World Cup. Yeah, and we'll get we'll get on to England in a second, but let's just talk about the results today. I mean, Spain being knocked out. How big a shock is this, boys? Admittedly, I don't want to call it a shock because I was very impressed by Morocco. Mm-hmm. And I thought that it was quite. I don't want to say an even game because I was expecting Spain to win, but I knew Morocco wouldn't go down without a fight. And we saw that today. It was a nil-nil draw going into extra time. And then after extra time, still nil-nil going into penalties. Yeah. And they kept. They still didn't concede, <laughs> even yeah. when, it got to, yeah. when it got to the penalties. It shows, it shows how, how good they are. Actually. I don't want to say that they're underdogs because they've been constantly, constantly impressive yeah. so far. And they're pretty much at the same level as every other country right now. Yeah. Just showing how good they are. Yeah. I think they will they will be knocked out soon, possibly against Portugal. I think that that's a very, very strong team as well, and I wouldn't be surprised if they do get knocked out. But they have been fantastic, and I don't want to take anything away from them. Mm. A word about Portugal, I guess. Always a slightly underrated international yeah. team, right? I mean, we always say it always comes up. You always get to a World Cup, and everyone's like, okay, well, you know, it'll come down to how well Ronaldo plays for them. But, I mean, ultimately, they always get do quite well. They've got a... We they've got you know it's not a, an absolutely star-studded squad, but it's not far off one. No, there's definitely some of the, some of the top performers in the Premier League are Portuguese, and you've got yeah. the likes of Cancelo, Bernardo Silva, Fernandes, yeah. and you from Serie A, you've got Rafael Leao, he's one yeah. of the yeah. up-and-coming talents in the world. Um, you've got João Felix, um, yeah. and then the, the scorer tonight, yeah. Ramos, is again this this third in the line Benfica striker that's probably gonna be their third hundred million striker in a row yeah. after Nunez and. Yeah. Portugal, I think before the tournament, not many people were talking about. It. I'm not really sure why they they've had a rich history in in tournaments and players like likes of Figo yeah. and Deco and Carvalho, people like this. And I think Portugal, as a squad, are very very well rounded. Um, probably missing Diego Jota a little bit, but um, yeah, their squad is is not far off. I want to say one point on the, on the Morocco game earlier. I think um, 
in terms of penalty shootout quality in this World Cup, the Japan penalties and the Spain penalties might be some of the worst penalty shootouts really, I've seen. Really, I haven't actually the, seen. They yeah. were some of the weakest penalties, and also on the the bottle of. Um, Ashraf Hakimi to Penenka, the final penalty, having been born in Madrid, mm. grown up in Spain, rejected mm. Spain multiple times to knock them out of the World Cup by dinking it down the middle. Mm. Shows absolute bottle. Uh, I was mm. all, all there for it. He's a quality right back. I've, <laughs> I've said this countless times. I think yeah. he's the best right back in the world. Mm. Yeah. So we we know we all know about Brazil. They are a superb team. Quick word about Croatia. Again, another team that seem to are quite good at showing up at World Cups, basically. Ethan, any thoughts on Croatia? I, I can't lie. I haven't been that impressed with Croatia. Yeah. I, I mean, they have been relatively impressive. They are a good side, and I'm not... Yeah. I don't want to say that they're not, but mm-hmm. yeah. I just don't think this is the same side we saw in 2018. No, no it doesn't seem no, to be. I mean, they're, they're an ageing team, yeah. if nothing else. I mean, yeah. So I think I think there's enough quality there, but let's, let's, talk, let's, let's look on the positives. I mean, let's talk about England. Uh... Uh, Paddy, talk to me. Talk me through uh, your reactions to uh, well, what was really a, an in, a fantastic performance. Really, I mean, let's not be around the bush and a knockout stage of a world World Cup to show up uh, and win three 0 against a hard to play against Senegal side. What were your takeaways from that? I think from, I mean, pre tournament, looking at Senegal's team, it's actually pretty strong. I mean, you've got Koulibaly. I mean, their defence, especially Koulibaly. You've got Mendy. Yeah. You've got. Quite a, quite a good depth squad of, of Senegalese players, um, and then sort of in the group stages they they were pretty good. But going into the England game, I thought I saw Senegal maybe maybe could be playing them. I thought, oh guys, classic England penalties, a losing penalty against someone like Senegal or something like that. But the performance that I thought we we gave in that game was really good. It was really nice to see Harry Kane score as well. Yeah, he has been quite quiet this World Cup. Yeah, I think just for his confidence going to sort of the quarter semis and hopefully the final. Um, it would be really good for him as a player because he is top quality. Well, we need, you know, I think everyone agrees. Yes, he might not necessarily be at his absolute best at the moment, not his absolute fittest, but I think everyone agrees that we'd rather have Harry Kane on the pitch than off the pitch. And you need, you know, that experience. Statistically, he scores a lot of goals. He scores them in big games. He's got a good record at the World Cup. We, we want him to be fit and yeah. firing, I think, regardless of where your and club allegiance is like. We'd rather him than Callum Wilson. I think everyone would agree with yeah, that. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, OK, so a fantastic result against Senegal has now led up to what is probably, I mean, well, the biggest game of football for us since the Croatia semi-final in 2018. Or, well, no, the, no, the Euro final, yeah. maybe. But, I mean, it doesn't get bigger than this, right? And uh, A quarter-final against France, a really strong France team, Mr Morris. No, it doesn't get much bigger than this. And I think this is probably the most nervous I've been for an England, England game in my lifetime. Um, and I think, although the French have conceded in every game they've played so far at the World Cup and their defence has not looked overly settled, um, they've got a very talented back line yeah. um, with Hernandez and... Um, Kanate, Varane, and then Kunde at right back, um, which I think could be an area to exploit. Obviously, Kunde is a naturally a centre half, um, and Theo Hernandez, although he is amazing going forward, um, is not one of the most, most talented defenders. Um, I think we there is definitely an area of weakness there in the French team. So going forwards, Mbappe could be a one man attack and he will cause havoc against anyone. Um, but I think we have got a really strong chance against France. Mm. I think if we if we beat the French. Um, I do think we're up there alongside Brazil as as favourites for this tournament. I think if we can big call, but it, it's hard. It is hard to disagree with that now. 
yeah, I mean, and and Miss Morris, can you see um, Southgate making any tactical changes in terms of personnel or formation? I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk about potentially going for five at the back yeah. against the French. Is that an option you'd be considering? If uh, potentially, we were having this uh, conversation in the P office earlier with uh, Mr. Foster, and um, we we're talking about it. Do you break up this four that've been playing so well, or yeah. and and look at going as Walker at right centre half and Trippier to double up on Mbappe, or do you look to exploit that? that French weakness. And um, it's going to be really interesting to see what Southgate does. Um, I think I personally would stick with how we are at the moment. I yeah. think Walker is, like Gary Lineker said on um, Match of the Day the other day, he's probably the only right-back in the world at the moment that is cut out to deal with Mbappe one-on-one. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and it'll be a really interesting interesting test. Mbappe actually didn't train today, which we can all hope and pray oh, that well, yeah. he's out on Saturday because that would make it a much more fair contest. But yeah, I, I'm going to back England for a a 2-1 win yeah. and uh, on the road to the final. Yeah, boys, I mean, do you think, as England fans, what do you want to see? Do you want to see them come out attacking the French or do we want to actually play a little bit more, do we want to see a little bit more perhaps with a slightly cagey side of England where we sit back and perhaps try and hit them on the break? I think most English fans would like to see us sort of, you know, go for it, go for it, go for it. But if we if we really want to get through to the second Sorry, so to to the court, uh, to the semi final, semi final. Sorry, we may have to just play our play our sit back uh, sort of defensive game if we run with five at the back. Yeah. But then, as Mr. Morris said, France have conceded in every game they've played, so we can try and sort of break down that weak defence. Yeah. But I would rather see a sort of more attack attacking style of football. But if we have to play our defensive style of football, I really wouldn't be faced. Yeah. And I think, boys, we can genuinely say we have a real chance. Uh, we have a chance of beating France. We have a chance of certainly getting to the final. I mean, you can never know who you're going to end up playing in the final and who shows up on the day. But let's just all hope. I think the whole country's going to come to a standstill. Yeah. It's going to be a fantastic day. You know, I mean, there's either, you know, the country, you know, the French, so a huge match regardless of, at any time. But it just happens that we've got a team of players who have to be playing really well together in a world tournament. Um, uh, and I really hope they give the best showing of themselves. Right, chaps, I think we could go on talking about football at the moment for ages. I just want to stop it there because I'm conscious I've still got Hugh in the studio. And in the wider world of sport, a lot has been going on. Uh, and I'm talking mostly here about cricket and rugby. Uh, thank you, football team. Um, and, um, and we'll see you, well, no doubt in January to reflect on, well, whether it was another sort of false hope and we got knocked out in the quarterfinals of the French or got a little bit further. Um, but, Hugh, let's talk a little bit of, of cricket, first of all. There isn't a pundit waiting outside, is there? No, no. Let's talk. There is. Oh, get, get them in. Oh, and we got Rannick as well in to talk some cricket. So, perfect. Uh, Rannick, welcome to the studio. I'll let you. I'll wait for you to get your mic on. Um, uh, Hugh and Rannick, I'm sorry about the football chat overrunning, but naturally, obviously, there's, there has been a lot going on in the world of football recently. There has also been a lot going on in the world of cricket, and perhaps, as I said it in my intro, in, in, in my introduction, a really seminal moment in the development of this England uh, cricket team in the. Basball was taken overseas, and I think unquestionably it succeeded. Hugh, what were your takeaways from what was an absolutely mind-blowingly, statistically incredible uh, test match in Rawal Pindi? Yeah, records falling left and right. The, the flat pitch was just built for Basball, really. The the attacking style what was it four four first innings hundreds um, for England, and then it was the one in the second innings, but. 
the the yeah the whole game was incredible and for ben stokes's declaration was probably one of the bravest um declarations we've had in test cricket possibly yeah. ever i don't i can't remember uh a declaration like that that's come off you've had declaration before where we've lost which i think it's only ever happened three or four times regularly to to put that risk out there to try and get the win is incredible from stokes yeah and we'll talk about the captaincy in a second first of all let's talk about england's batting i mean um ranek i'll come to you on this one have we ever really seen test match batting like what we saw earlier this week to be honest um yeah, I mean, I, it was really surprising. I woke up one morning and I went and spoke to my friend. He was like, uh, England has scored like 200 of like 30 overs or something like that. Mm. And it was crazy. I was like, is this a test match? Mm. But also it depends on the players that were playing. Mm. Uh, most of them were like short format players and something like So that kind of result was expected. Yeah, and, and I mean, uh, uh, let's talk about some of the players we're talking about here. So... Uh, Zach Crawley, he's got a lot of stick on this show. He's got a lot of stick from the media widely. A man, Hugh, who has been under a hell of a lot of pressure. Um, does this vindicate Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes' decision to sort of stick with him at all costs on the basis that when that moment comes around, he is going to set up the game in the way that they want an opener to? No, I don't really think it does, actually, because I think by the time we get round to the Ashes, then... The likes of Starks coming to Hazelwood are going to be getting him out all over the place on green pitches. I really don't think getting 100 on that pitch means that much as a batter. If you look at the people who've got the 100, it's been Crawley, Duckett, Pope and Brook. All fine test players, but that's two debut test hundreds. Zach Crawley's... If, you, if you're a if you're uh, from Pakistan you think and you only have really watched Pakistan matches you probably think he's one of the best players in the world because he's averaging about 300 against them mm. but mm. uh yeah he's he's not really done much elsewhere he's got the occasional 50 to say to save himself but I don't think uh he's great I, I wouldn't be throwing around too many plaudits for batting well on that pitch because yeah m- most people could do it yeah it's interesting as well isn't it that for for um for Pakistan, the hundreds were scored by people who who genuinely generally do very well uh, on those flat wickets in Rawalpindi. I, I remember some statistics flashing up for people like Imam Al Haq yeah, um, and the other opener who I can't remember. Yeah, that they've they've all cashed in on on that wicket. Um, Ranuk, I mean, what do you think in terms of how how much? How how much weight should we give to hundreds scored on these wickets that are seemingly anyone can cash in on and make big runs on? I mean, yeah, we can't take anything away from it. They batted well, and yeah. obviously the pitch did did help them. Yeah, but I wouldn't say that it, it doesn't really count. It yeah. does. It's Test match cricket. The bowlers are good. Yeah, um, it's a high level of cricket and. Obviously, I mean, yeah, I agree with you, but yeah, I feel like we should give them some Yeah, oh, oh, absolutely. Um, yeah. The other opener, the other Pakistani opener was Abdullah Shafiq, who I think also, you know, averages 80 and or more than that, basically, in Rawalpindi. Um, okay, so at an absolute run fest, but what obviously I think we'll all agree on made the game what it was, was this bold declaration. I mean, and I'll be interested to hear your opinions. I have to be honest, as maybe a more conservative cricket fan, when Stokes first did it, I was like, well, wow, you're, you are willing basically to lose a test match, uh, uh, um, which is a bold thing to do for an England captain. 
you i'll come to you yeah, on this he, one he first. said throughout his whole tenure that he would rather uh he would rather try and get a win and lose than get a draw and he, uh, he stood up for it, it I think it's a massive risk. I don't think any other cap- England captain has been in that position where they, they're willing to take the hit. But because he's had so much success, the batting's been so good all match. And he said, we want to win Test cricket. Um, he, he's been able to do that. And it's been quite incredible, really. Mm. Rannick, what do you make of Stokes' captaincy move there? Like, I mean... As a Sri Lanka cricket fan, I mean, would you be happy, say, to see, you, you know, would you would you have been happy if your team had made that kind of call, risking losing to win like that? Yeah, it was it was a massive call, and especially on that wicket, like, we would expect Pakistan to chase that down. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's a good move. I I think cricket should be played to win. Okay. Yeah. Um. So I think that Stokes made the right decision, and it paid off. Sometimes it might not, but yeah, in the occasion it did. Yeah, and I think that buys into a bigger debate, which which we ought to have really, in terms of how important is it that Test in the current climate that Test cricket find itself in that players almost play to entertain. Do we think that do or do we think a professional cricketer actually should just play to execute their skills to the best of their ability? And if that happens to be to bat like Jeffrey Boycott, then bat like Jeffrey Boycott. Because you know McCullum and Stokes have come out and said, well, actually, you know we are playing with the bearing the crown in mind, which is quite an unusual step for a professional sportsman to take because ultimately you're playing for your career normally and you're playing to win the match. I, I think as a tra- traditional cricketer, well, more of a tra- traditionalist, I would, what I want most is England to win. I don't really mind how they play, but yeah. in terms of what the ECB are looking to do with the 100 and the for the good of the game, getting more people into test cricket, it's really good what they're doing. But also, I think it is how England are best going to win cricket. Is kind of... Uh, Brendan McCullum is basically saying, well, you're going to get out eventually. Just have fun while you're out there. Try and get as many runs. It's sort of what Trevor Bayliss did with the one-day side mm. to lead into the World Cup. But it's mm. that next level because it's Test Match Cricket. Mm. Rannick, your thoughts on that in terms of how much expectation should there be on Test cricketers to bear in mind entertainment and the state the game's in? And seemingly the idea that people now prefer to see more aggressive batting, basically. Um, I mean, Test cricket's Test cricket. I feel yeah. like I feel like we should differentiate the different formats. I mean, yeah. the short, the T Twenty and Fifty over were made to show more entertainment, and then Test cricket is for the more the long lasting cricket fans who yeah. who enjoy watching mm-hmm. a bit more. So, I mean, I don't think there should be any pressure on the cricketers to kind of put on a show. Yeah, but obviously. As Stokes did, try to win the game, not yeah. just trying to draw it or something like that. Yeah, and it should, and we should hasten to add that the game showed equally there is still there's still room in the game for old fashioned skills. Let's look at England's bowling. I mean, Ollie Robinson and James Anderson on that final day, Hugh, showing that actually even on the flattest of wickets, you don't need to be able to bowl 155 kilometers per hour. Um, to get people out. Some unbelievable skills on display, really. Yes, Robert Robinson's managed to pick up man of the match in a game where 1,500 runs have been scored, which is incredible. But yeah, it shows the skill that they both have. J- Jimmy Anderson, he's he's still one of the best um, at reverse swing in the world. Ollie Robinson, he's been criticised after the Ashes store for his fitness, for his pace, but he's, he's really showed that he can now lead the attack. Mm. Rannick, coming on to you on this one, I mean, as England fans, we have a little bit of an impression that fans of other teams see our sort of goat, you might put inverted commas, Jimmy Anderson as a bit of a, 
a bit of a, a, a horses for courses, green wicket specialist. I mean, how would you view someone like Jimmy Anderson? Um, I mean, Jimmy Anderson, I think everyone knows he's such a great bowler. Yeah. He can move the ball just everywhere. He gets all yeah. the greatest cricketers out. We are Kohli, yeah. one of the best batsmen in the world. Yeah. He has like such an amazing record against him. Yeah. So, I mean, you can't really say that Jimmy Anderson bowls only to like conditions that suit him. He, he, he does the job anywhere, I guess you could say. Yeah, I think I think you know he's the one. I guess if you were to look and dissect his career, you know he's had great success in the UAE. He has great success now in Pakistan. He's had great success in India. I believe he's had pretty good success in Sri Lanka as well. I guess Australia, Hugh, his he had that one Ashes tour in twenty ten eleven, but since then hasn't really done that much. But I mean, yeah, I think I think are we all agreement that this is just another one of those Anderson moments in his career, particularly the, the sort of third third of his career. You know, he went from average bowler who occasionally had great days out, particularly in English conditions, to to a bowler that was widely respected on the world stage with a test average of about 30, to in the latter third of his career being someone who is unquestioning, unquestionably one of the best bowlers in the world and up there with the very best of all time. Yeah, he has probably struggled in Australia. I think he's still picked up over 50 test wickets Yeah, in, in that continent. Um, yeah, he's picked up quite a lot. He's in. He's now probably one of the smartest bowlers as well. He only went at one and a half and over from from all his 24 overs um, in the second innings, which is quite exceptional to, to know that he's not going to be a, a proper threat but, um, all the time. But if he can just dry up the runs, he knows the wickets will come. And yeah, he he really is an incredible bowler. Yeah, and I mean, I guess in terms of tactics in 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 Pakistan in particular, as we've seen in this game, a, a lot of it when you're in the field is basically about being patient, right? Um, Ranuk, I'll come to you on this one. I don't know if you saw much of England's bowling, but like, do you think our attack could benefit perhaps from giving you know a wrist spinner a go? We've got a wrist spinner in the got in the squad, a guy called Rayhan. Is Rayhan Ahmed? You? Yeah. Do yeah. you think that would be something that would be uh, that would add something to the team in those conditions? Um, yeah, actually, like going into the game, I think most people thought that England lacking that spinner would be a problem. Yeah. But then I guess the, the pitch didn't really do. It much. didn't really yeah. do much in so the end. It didn't really affect England yeah. in that test. But it might change for the next one. Who knows? So yeah, yeah, definitely having that option would help. Um, yeah. Would help England definitely, yeah. Yeah, and I guess they try. I mean, they probably try to have that with Livingston in the team, a sort of classic white ball bits and pieces player being chucked in uh, a, into a test match, and and you know, um, but unfortunately he injured himself. And in the end, Will Jacks, who's mm, barely bowls, well, I've ne- I don't think I've ever actually seen him bowl before, ended up bowling forty point three overs and getting slightly ridiculous debut figures of six for one hundred and sixty one. But I guess in its own way, you know, a really great performance from him to show, you know, on deb show on debut. And I imagine the sort of exactly the sort of thing that McCullum and Stokes are looking out for in their players, right, Hugh? Yeah, apparently he found out um, about twenty minutes before his cap presentation that he was playing because of uh, Ben Folkes's injury. But uh, yeah, to come in. Get get a six for a bat really well, bat really quickly, exactly how they want. I I don't think he'll be playing in England. I I wouldn't mind if if he's had a good tour, then you could use him as an all rounder option. And but he'll need to develop his bowling first. Yeah. And maybe he could be the replacement for Leach, but he he won't usurp him 
yeah. t- too quickly. But if we go back to the subcontinent, Sri Lanka, India, yeah. I think he could definitely be um, that uh, yeah. second choice spinner. Yeah, and Le- Leach, you know, Leach always does a decent job when asked of him. He, he chugged away, tweeled away for you know almost a hundred well not quite a hundred overs in the match but sort of 75 overs in the match and had a good decent game uh, and you know i think let's just reflect to finish on that incredible declaration by stokes uh, and the fact that you know mccullum and stokes are really trying to change the game a little bit here i think as an england fan over the next year or so there's going to be some frills and spills there's going to be some ups and downs uh uh, uh but i hope that we are going to move the game forward and actually you know just make sure that we are growing the game around the world and you know we know the state of test cricket in england is pretty strong it's pretty strong elsewhere in the world as well but there are places where actually at the moment test cricket is not on its uppers and i think you know teams that are willing to take this bold step and do something a bit different are probably going to be good for the game and on that note uh boys thank you very much for joining me but we've run uh way over it's been an absolute pleasure to have all of you listening uh to us tonight um we're gonna well this is the final show of the term and actually the final show of the year the calendar year so we'll be back with you guys uh in the spring in the well not the spring but in january once the football world cup is over um England will have finished their 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 test for in Pakistan, so we look forward to analysis of that. That's about it from me, listeners. I've been Dr. Pullen. This has been Sports Talk. I wish you the loveliest of Christmases. Probably the best school radio station in the world. This is Bry Radio. Proudly sponsored by the BPA.